Hey everyone, this is Achuta Bhava from Nightlight Astrology, and today we're going to take a look at this weekend's full moon in Gemini, which is going to be configured along with the sun to Jupiter in the final degrees of Aquarius. And this is a big full moon because this full moon is really amplifying the presence of Jupiter and the change that Jupiter is about to make, which we've talked a lot about this month. And so I want to make everyone aware of the energies of the full moon heading into the weekend um, and make sure that we're really looking at them, especially since we've spent so much time talking about Venus and Pluto, Venus's retrograde, Saturn coming up on a square with Uranus. But there's a really interesting full moon that's happening right in the mix of all of this. And the full moon is configured to uh, the culminating Jupiter and Aquarius. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on today. Before I dive in, I want to remind everybody there are just 16 days left to go in my annual Kickstarter. We are at 690 backers as of today, closing in on 700. Our goal is 1,367. Today, in order to keep pace with last year's total, we need to get 80 backers in a day. That's hard to do, but um, that's possible though. We have had days that have gotten pretty high in backer total. So trying to keep the pace. And if you are able to pitch in $5, $10, any one-time donation really helps this channel grow and sustain all of the good things that we do uh, in the year ahead. You can find the link to the Kickstarter in the comment section of this video, as well as the comment section of the video on YouTube, as well as uh, in the description of the video as well. Um, when you go to the Kickstarter page, scroll down, you can pick up a number of different rewards. There are exclusive videos I do, an exclusive video talk on the astrology of 2022. It's an, a deep dive into all of the astrology of the new year, as well as a calendar that comes with that as a thank you gift. Um, you can also pick up a variety of different exclusive lectures that I give on different topics, year ahead horoscope reading for your sun or rising sign. There's some horary readings. There's a really good video called astrology for total beginners. If you want to give it as a gift to somebody who's like, why are you interested in astrology? And you're like, here, just watch this video. It's really good for total newcomers who just want to understand it in a way that's not super woo woo. It's really uh, digestible. And then probably the best reward that I offer is uh, you can pick up any of my online training programs my online courses for 2022 or beyond. You can use them as credits anytime you want. You take my year one program, my year two program, my horary program, or my readings and passages program. That's four years worth of online training in ancient astrology. And whenever you pick one of them up the, at the donation level during my Kickstarter, the price is 50% off what it usually is to sign up for the course. Or if, even if you're using the early bird rate, it's still $400 cheaper than that. So definitely my best deal of the year for anyone who wants to study with me and come take one of my classes. Or if you're in one of my classes and want to take one of my advanced programs, you can also bundle them together. And when you do, the price goes down even more. So uh, thank you so much to everybody for supporting this channel. Uh, we have a ways to go yet. Hopefully we can rally some more support from all of you who enjoy this. If you can't pitch in, uh, you can like, you can subscribe. You can share my videos with other people. It's all really appreciated. Remember that when you pitch in, you're supporting a staff of people, a variety of really good programs and um, uh, offerings that we have throughout the year that are very cost friendly for people. So uh, it goes a long way. The Kickstarter is a huge part of why I'm able to do a variety of different things that I do, including create free content year round on this channel. So your pitching in means a lot to me. I hope you will. And uh, let's go ahead now and turn our attention to the full moon. So. <clears throat> here is the real-time clock, and 
I just eliminated everything from our view today, except for the traditional seven planets to drive home a few points. What I want to do is just highlight for you some of the rulership schemes that are happening right now, some of the dignities that are playing out. First of all, I want to emphasize how much control Saturn has over the picture right now. Okay. You have Mercury in Saturn's sign, Venus in Saturn's sign, Saturn in its own sign, and Jupiter in Saturn's sign. With the sun in the next five days or so, about to ingress into, you guessed it, Saturn's sign. Um, so we are going to shortly this month have five of the traditional seven planets and Saturn ruled signs. What's happening to Saturn? Saturn will be squaring Uranus. So whatever Saturn represents, whatever rule or order or stricture that Saturn might present us with, whatever prohibition or difficulty or heaviness, serious themes and topics that Saturn is presenting us with, they're all about to get challenged by two things. One, Saturn is squaring Uranus, the great rebel, the great awakener, and Venus in Saturn's sign is about to go retrograde, which can mean that something of uh, a type of order, a type of Venusian order in our lives, a type of, let's call it Venusian structure, even though I don't always love that word for Saturn, um, is about to go through some kind of revision process. Now we know that Venus is also conjoined with Pluto. There's a Plutonian element to this. We some, talked about some of those stories yesterday, but from a traditional standpoint, I just like people to see how much of the traditional pantheon of planets are all dealing with Saturn stuff at the moment. That Saturn is about to hit a pretty big uh, breakthrough as it in, as it intensifies by getting into a conversation with um, Uranus, and then Jupiter is about to change signs and get into its own power, right? So, and then Venus going through a retrograde can actually be a very positive thing. It can suggest an examination of the Saturn stuff that's at the root of what's going on right now in the Venusian areas of our life, which the most part means relationships in any place where we're trying to create harmony. Um, and there's, and Saturn's got the underlying uh, authority to say how or what we should be doing. So it's a really interesting time, a time of uh, perhaps revising certain kinds of relationships in our life, challenging certain kinds of structures in our life. And this full moon is, I think, um, can sneak under the radar given all those big transits, but it's a really important full moon. And here's why. <clears throat> So you can see, you can see the full moon as I'm making this on Thursday, December 16th, the full, the moon's just moving from Taurus into Gemini. So let's move it into tomorrow, Friday, December 17th. Now you can see that the full moon is starting to form. They're getting in the same signs that the full moon is forming and it fully comes through um, on December 18th, Saturday. So if I, I'm going to fast forward this by some hours and let's see exactly what time it comes through. <clears throat> so it's going to be about 11 p.m. Saturday evening, East, Eastern time, if you're like on the East Coast, a little bit earlier in the evening if you're in Central Time, Mountain Time, or Pacific Time in the United States. But that's a weekend um, with a very powerful full moon in Gemini. Now, the reason that it's also so powerful is look at what's happening. The moon is picking up a trine from Jupiter, who is in the superior position. And the sun is also moving into a sextile. It's in a Jupiter-ruled sign of Sagittarius. It's moving into a sextile with Jupiter. And Jupiter is at the 28th degree. 
preparing by the end of the month to change signs. So I talked a lot about this this month about a new vision, a new hope, re restoration of faith, imagination, bringing things into a new space. Well, this is the full moon that has the power to really start flipping that switch. This is where you're going to start to see some kind of momentum shift in the month. And even though Venus is stationing and turning retrograde and going back to Pluto, even though Saturn is square Uranus, this is a breakthrough moment in a long cycle. If we go back to, for example, the Sagittarius and Gemini eclipses that start in the summer of 2020, right around the last time Venus was retrograde. You can look back to about that time and think, okay, I've been in a Sagittarius Gemini eclipse cycle since then. And what's been happening? Well, with Sagittarius and Gemini, you're talking about the Jupiter and Mercury axis. And that axis essentially has to do with the building of order and, and greater holes and a sense of unity and cohesion versus the divine chaos that has to pick things apart or that naturally takes things apart or the natural deconstruction of things that happens in life. So there has been a conversation about order and unity versus uh, deconstruction and um, pulling things apart. For example, when I was in graduate school, I remember we talked a lot about, um, you know, Jacques Derrida and his uh, liter you know, literary theory of deconstruction. In the, since, since about June of 2020, uh, when the, the, the nodes changed sign into Gemini and Sagittarius, I have seen more like parroting of the, the deconstructionist philosophy that I studied in, you know, postmodern lit theory courses in graduate school and all sorts of um, like literary theory and, 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 and questions about cohesion versus picking apart the systems that are keep things in order. No, deconstruct them, do something new. Whether you're talking about politics, you're talking about uh, religion, or you're talking about uh, within faith communities or relationships or professional organizations, my clients. I'm not kidding when I say that I've seen more people talking about whether it's in their companies or their relationships, ideological conflicts, right? Here's the ideology of Jupiter. Here's the, I don't think it's the best thing, or let's pull it apart or take it apart or call it into question or cast some doubt on it or um, examine it or explore it or raise questions about it. That dialectical, I, have, I just haven't seen it so active probably my whole career as an astrologer. Well, makes sense. The last time these two, uh, these two um, signs were active through the nodes of the moon, I was very young in my astrological career. So I was like, wow, over the past year or so, or going back to June, 2020, I was like, wow, you know, this is um, so Gemini and Sag, the kind of conversations that are happening. Okay. So keeping that in mind, let's go back to the real time clock for a second. So the nodes are about to change signs. They're about to go into Venus and Mars ruled signs, which means we're not in Gemini Sag territory anymore. We're, we're about to be shifting. We're also, this is happening as we have this one last, we've had an eclipse in Sagittarius to start the cycle. Now we're moving through a full moon in Gemini configured to a Jupiter that's about to change signs, right? So you can feel that there's some kind of culmination happening. Let me just tell you something interesting. That's This is just from my own personal life that I noticed. As the full moon is coming through last night, I was sitting up and uh, wife went to bed early. So I was just sitting up and I was reading and I was looking at a number of different texts that I have in my bookshelf here. And 
there's a, a number of texts that like in my, my bhakti journey, this is just in my own little private bhakti sphere. There's a number of texts that like I have found very difficult because my analytical brain wants to understand um, why. And I, sometimes I feel uh, like there, there's some texts that are really good at answering some of the philosophical questions that I have. There's other texts that don't do such a good job, depending on the commentaries I'm reading or whatever. So at any rate, there was a, a, a series of books sitting on my shelf that I've had for quite a while. In fact, last year, I got these books because um, I, we took some money from the Kickstarter last year and donated to help with the renovation of a temple in India that was kind of falling apart. So we sent some money to help renovate this temple. And um, as a gift, they sent me some books from a very famous like luminary in the Bhakti tradition that I'd never read before that I had expressed an interest in. So these are sitting on my shelf. And I just was like, oh, yeah, because uh, they're, they're doing another, a different project. They, I think they do one probably around the same time of year. We use some of, more of the Kickstarter money this year to pitch in again. And so I was looking at those books and I was saying, I'll just see what it is. And I picked up a book and this um, beautiful saint in the Bhakti tradition was talking about uh, the, the appropriate time in the practice of your faith for there to be this sort of total um, full acceptance and then for other times where there needs to be like critical questions and doubt and speculation and um, like dialectical with a teacher and stuff like that. And he presented the dialectical between faith and doubt in this section in a way that was so beautiful, so profound, so poetic. And it felt like these two parts of my brain that have been at each other in my own faith, private faith journey for like a year and a half to, you know, suspiciously since the nodes change signs. And it just all of a sudden felt like click. Here's how he presented it that I thought was so beautiful. He said that you have to understand that the, the mingling of faith and doubt in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit are like part of the, I'm going to use my own words here, but like part of the eroticism of a growing love of the divine that is in your heart. And that this conversation between these two qualities aren't ultimately about whether your religious faith is solid or not, but it's about you um, trying to pin God down because you're eager to understand and know God, but you're, it's, it's, or the divine, whatever word you want to use, but like the, 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 the attempts of the mind, the frustration of the mind that you can understand that what's fueling that, the desire to know, the desire to understand is like, it's like when you're falling in love with someone, you're dating them, you just desire to know everything about them. And you're being sort of tortured inside. Like, do I love this person? How serious will it be? What will happen? So the way that he was able to sort of poetically reframe the frustrations of the intellect on the faith journey, a, a committed faith journey still has lots of doubt and still has lots of intellectual wrestling. And that if you reframe that, in terms of the, the pangs of love and frustration that a lover feels when getting to know the beloved, that um, there's a place for it. And you no longer have to chase that part of you around with a stick, trying to get it in order and just believe that you can make some space for it. So I'm sitting in my closet last night and just it, it, it's not like these ideas are foreign to me. It's just the way that he put it was so poetic. I could just feel in his writing, he's been here. He knows this. This is someone who 
has been where I am. And you know, the, the, when poetry speaks to you like that and you go, yes, I've been there too. And it's a, it's a place that defies words, but somehow the poet can just grab it. Uh, and get, for just a second, you can see it. And I just thought something clicked into place for me that hasn't, that's been wrestling in internally or like, uh, if you guys remember the, um, this is a perfect poem. Let me just, let me read you guys a poem. This is one of my favorite poems. I just came to mind. So <clears throat> this is a, a hymn actually that was written by, I want to say Charles Wesley. Um, it's called wrestling Jacob. And if you guys remember in the Bible, there's a story about Jacob wrestling with an angel all night long. And uh, it goes like this. Come, O thou traveler unknown, whom still I hold but cannot see. Now, he's wrestling with an angel through the night, but he doesn't, he doesn't know it's an angel. He doesn't know that it's God. My company before is gone, and I am left alone with thee. With thee all night I mean to stay and wrestle till the break of day. Wilt thou not, will thou not yet to me reveal thy new unutterable name? Tell me, I still beseech thee, tell, to know it now resolved I am. Wrestling, I will not let thee go till I thy name, thy nature know." My strength is gone, my nature dies, I sing beneath thy weighty hand, faint to revive and fall to rise. I fall, and yet by faith I stand. I stand and will not let thee go, till I thy name, thy nature know. Yield to me now, for I am weak, but confident in self-despair. Speak to my heart in blessing, speak, be conquered by my instant prayer. Speak, or thou never hence shalt move, and tell me if thy name is love. Tis love, tis love that wrestled me. I hear thy whisper in my heart. The morning breaks, the shadows flee. Pure universal love thou art. To me, to all thy mercies move. Thy nature and thy name is love. Isn't that a beautiful poem? So it's a hymn, I believe, but um, that's exactly the idea that this author was communicating, that, the, that your doubt is not something that has to be resolved or how do I work this or that out? And, oh, here's the perfect answer. Now you've got that in hand. Go out and be an apologist, my son, you know? No, that, that, that there's something about that wrestling intellectually, mentally, that is a symptom of love. It, it, you don't wrestle with things you don't care about. No, it's the, I heard someone once say the opposite of love is like apathy or indifference or something like that. Who knows what the opposite of love is? But it certainly, to me, is interesting that if you look at all the piranhas, this is something that is so obvious sitting right before me. It's, it's, it's there all the time. In all the piranhas... It's always these people that hate Krishna in these stories about God in the bhakti tradition. They don't like God. They wrestle with God. They have some big problem with God. And those are the ones that in their seeking to hurt God, wrestle with God, fight God, undermine God in these stories, that God will end up wrestling with them, getting into like some kind of, you know, uh, epic boxing match in the, in the literary form, you know, and then through the touch of that conflict, that soul becomes enlightened. And I just have to say, isn't that a relief in this world that our, our not knowing our, our Socratic dilemmas can, um, can carry with them a touch of mercy, a touch of grace, that somehow in wrestling and not knowing or in being befuddled or in sometimes knowing and in other times feeling thrown up in a million pieces, that somehow in all of that is actually love. And that that is actually spiritual practice happening. That is actually, in, you know, in bhakti terms, we'd say that's actually devotion. That you're wrestling with any of these things that you're wrestling with 
ideology, faith, what is good, what is virtuous, what is humble, what isn't, what is self-righteous, what isn't, what is hypocritical, what, what is true, what is sincere, what is trying too hard, what is not trying enough. We all struggle with these things, trying to figure them all out. And sometimes it's easy to just say, you know, I'm just going to give it up. I'm just going to be me, you know, and, and then forget the struggle because we, you know, the struggle is stressful. Maybe that is the answer sometime. I don't know. But I do know that in that poem uh, or in that hymn, as well as in what I was reading last night from this Bhakti Luminary, that the struggle is love, that the, the wrestling is uh, actually a symptomatic, symptomatic of love because you can't be indifferent to wrestle so intensely with these things that dog us so much. And if we can just take a break once in a while to let the struggle be poetry rather than a literal binary that's literally binding us that we literally have to figure out. One of the great things that, you know, Jacob realizes is that, Hey, I've been wrestling with God. How beautiful is that? So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you guys. Now back to now back to the real time clock to drive the point home. I'm saying this because this is our last full moon in Sag and Gemini while the nodes of the moon are in Sag and Gemini. What have you been wrestling with? Know that it's been divine. If you've been wrestling with anything, trying to figure out what is good, what is beautiful, what is true, what is right, what is honest, what is sincere, what is too much, what is not enough. If you've been wrestling with any of that for the past year and a half on any level, your struggle has been divine. Bless you. You know, we should all take that home with us, you know, because it's, it's something that can instantly just make us realize that it's not, you know, it's so cliched, but it's not the answer. It's, it's, you know, it's not the, the, the final destination. It's the journey. It's all that kind of stuff. Right. But here's what I love about this. This full moon hits Jupiter as the sun is hitting Jupiter. We, in a funny way, the struggle, there's a sense in which even the struggle can make us whole. That's the paradox of the Mercury Jupiter dynamic. Even the being taken apart is being made whole. And how many shamanic traditions are there around the world where in vision, in ceremony, in an altered state, the shaman is plucked apart by a million crows, right? The bones spread out only to be put back together. That wholeness and deconstruction exist side by side. So I see this as the message of this full moon, and I hope that you are restored somehow this weekend as these energies come through, that there's just a sense that whatever you've been through, that the struggle has been worth it. There's a long cycle ending, exploring beliefs, exploring doubts, reaching a place of renewal or restoration. Interestingly, sometimes we need to set aside childishness. It's either, there's two ways of thinking about childishness. One could be, and I'm not talking about the child heart, the innocent, pure, faithful child. There's different kinds of child metaphors, child archetypes. Childishness would mean to me, selfish, petulant, self-indulgent, unruly, um, immature, naive in a bad way. So this kind of childishness can come up. I did an I Ching reading this morning, and this came up in the reading that I did through hexagram number 37, family duties. And one of the lines changing talks about how to deal with children who are, you know, uh, problematic, problem children. Two problems. One, 
you have that one disorderly part that needs to be aligned so the hole doesn't tank. You have to start early making sure that you don't let that one unruly part tank the whole thing, nip it in the bud. That's one of the messages of this line. It's one of the messages here is if you want something cohesive and you have something disorderly that's affecting it in a negative way, you have to reform, refine, nip it in the bud, get that thing in order so it doesn't tank the whole thing. Maybe that's a message right now too, as we're completing all of this. And there's a little bit of a Jupiterian emphasis. Let's put something back together now. Another way of looking at things, right? The childishness could arise from passions or desires that are either out of control, unchecked, or in need of refinement. Think of Venus going through its retrograde right now in conjunction with Pluto. The reordering or restructuring, um, however, if done too heavy-handedly, will lead to remorse or fracturing or factioning off of the unruly elements who will now feel rejected, and may this may in turn set in motion a kind of civil war effect. Things that are being excluded. You're the one messing everything up. You're the thing that doesn't belong. It'd be so good if we could just get rid of that other, you know, that other ideology, that other faith, that other party, that other person that just doesn't belong. Well, you have to be careful. Saturn square Uranus, there can be serious backlash if in trying to create a new order and trying to uh, deal with something that doesn't align with our particular way of doing things or seeing things that we um, faction, fraction, reject, and alienate that which we find unruly or different. So the other childishness is in the parent, let's say, you know, to use the metaphor of a child, um, if the child is unruly and the parent reacts by becoming heavy-handed, then shame on the parent, right? How do we deal with the existence of difference? How do we deal with the existence of people or things that look and feel differently than we do when trying to create a whole, we have to be very tactful because if you try to bring cohesion together through some kind of heavy handed structuring that involves eventual fractioning, fra fractioning, fra fracking, <laughs> fracturing and factioning off of unruly or rejected elements, this will set in motion a cycle of civil war. This is all coming from a hexagram that's talking about family unity. Forcing things to conform, just like forcing a child to conform, is more dangerous for that child or for the sake of the family than learning how to allow the unruly element to peacefully adjourn itself or to, um, to peacefully be dealt with in its own way. There's a way of, there's a saying, and I don't remember how it goes, but it's something like, just, you know, kind of like if my daughter's being difficult, kind of like, let's just let her figure that out. Like, let's not give it too much attention, because if we try to get her to conform to how we want her to act, it often polarizes it, it even worse. So there's something, some interesting teachings kind of swimming in the air around this hexagram that I thought were met, worth mentioning, because the other thing that is here in this impulse toward Jupiter at this full moon, the sun configured with Jupiter in Jupiter sign, the full moon configured with Jupiter, uh, Jupiter about to change signs, get out of Saturn sign and go into Pisces. You're seeing the need for some revision or challenging of the order, existing order or structure. We see that with Saturn and Uranus or well, but as well, Saturn and Uranus coming to square. But it's like, how do you deal with that part that doesn't conform, with that part that won't be pounded into submission? You have to deal with that very carefully or you are potentially setting yourself up for a cycle. Just like 
in your faith life, if you have a part of you that doubts, if you have a part of you that just can't fully get on board with your faith journey, and you try to pound that part into submission, more likely that eventually you may end up rejecting your whole faith path because it doesn't feel honest, it doesn't feel right, and it doesn't feel true to pound things that don't agree into submission. You can't get rid of mercury. You can't get rid of doubt. You can't get rid of things um, falling apart. You can't get rid of disorder. You can't get rid of um, differentiation, right? So you can't get rid of chaos. There's a little bit of chaos. So this, I hope that um, trying to circumambulate some really mercurial elements of this full moon, right? But again, I go back to this unity and difference, right? Cohesion and chaos, faith and doubt. These things all have a place together. Let's just revisit that poem one more time. Will thou not yet to me reveal thy new unutterable name? Tell me, I still beseech thee, tell. To know it now resolved I am. Wrestling, I will not let thee go till I thy name, thy nature, thy nature know. My strength is gone, my nature dies. I sink beneath thy weighty hand. Faint to revive and fall to rise. I fall and yet by faith I stand. I stand and will not let thee go till I thy name, thy nature know. Yield to me now, for I am weak, but confident in self-despair. Speak to my heart in blessing. Speak, be conquered by my instant prayer. Speak, or thou never hence shalt move, and tell me if thy name is love. Tis love, tis love that wrestled me. I hear thy whisper in my heart. The morning breaks, the shadows flee. Pure, universal love thou art. To me, to all, thy mercies move. Thy nature and thy name is love. So I am going to keep those sentiments in my mind and in my heart over the next few days. I feel like uh, there's, there's culminating energies around all of this. And um, if we can remember that our, our struggle with what is other on, on every level of life fundamentally is the, the same kind of uh, divine tension that is inherent in all things that if understood as divine is incredibly blissful. It's, it's, it's like, if, if, you know, in our, in our darkness, in our ignorance, sometimes we can't tell that all that we're wrestling with is divine in nature. But when the light comes, we do. That's what real light means. Not that I've got this and I've rejected that. I've got the light and I've rejected the darkness. Real light is to understand what's been happening in the dark, the, ser- the, the purpose that it serves, the place that it has. And this is the, the dance between the Mercury and Jupiter axis that's now coming to a close. So I hope that uh, you're able to integrate some of these experiences that we've had with the Sagittarius Gemini axis since June of 2020. And uh, we will be back tomorrow to talk a little bit more. I think tomorrow we're going to talk about retrogrades and what retrogrades bring in general as Venus is about to turn retrograde. Just kind of do a review on retrogrades overall. Don't forget, um, I really need your support. We are at 690 backers with 16 days left to go. We're trying to get to 1,367. We're over halfway there now. We need a big push here at the end. So any and every donation helps. Find the link to the Kickstarter in the comments of this video uh, on YouTube or in the description of the video. I really appreciate it. Have a great day, everyone. Bye.